You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha, welcome. We're so glad that you would join us and be here. Uh, I know I look forward to this every week, just meeting and exalting with uh, Christ with you guys each week, and just thankful to be a part of this church, Ohana. Um, if this is your first time, welcome. If you don't know me, uh, my, my birth name is Ryan, right? That's my name. But I've had this nickname called Riz. R-I-Z-Z, forever. I'll tell you the story later. But you can just call me Pastor Riz, Riz, whatever you want. Um, but I more go by Riz than Ryan. So if you say Ryan, it's kind of like you don't know me that much. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to be like more friends, uh, call me Riz. Anyway, it's a long story. But uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the Word of God. But if you've been with us for any amount of time, you would have known that we just came out of a six-month season being in the book of Exodus. We've been verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's been awesome, just digging in and allowing the Holy Spirit to just illuminate his word in our lives. It's been great. And if you've missed the announcement, the, the last couple weeks, we're actually going to be starting the book of Acts come the new year. So we're um, in this Advent series right now, but come the new year, we're jumping into the book of Acts. And if you've never read Acts, sure a lot of you have, but um, it's just an incredible story because it's the early church. It's a picture into what men and women, ordinary, flawed people, just like you and I, do when Jesus isn't around. But he gives us the Holy Spirit, and we have his word, and uh, we just go for it. And so it's very much in line with we're a, we're a fairly new church, just a couple years old, and I believe that God has this for us to really dig in and to look at his word, what he has for us, and just give us a blueprint of what the church should be like. And um, so I'm really excited for that. But in the meantime, we've been spending the last few weeks camping out and celebrating Advent. Right, in Advent, what it means is arrival, very simply arrival. And it's the season usually from December 1st through Christmas Day in which we can pause and reflect and remember the beauty and marvel that is the birth of Jesus Christ. And so Advent is this season in the church traditionally where you, 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 you step away and you pause and we celebrate the incarnation, right? The incarnation being God coming in the flesh to dwell amongst us, right? As a baby in a manger who would live to die to save us. And so the last two Sundays, we've seen how the coming of Christ has brought joy to a hurting world. Last week, we saw how it brought hope to a hopeless world. And today, uh, third and final week before Christmas, we'll be looking at the amazing, unending, glorious peace that is found in Christ. Uh, so let me pray for our time. God, thank you. Thank you that you've created this space, Father, that we can, can take an hour or so out of a really busy season and just to stop and pause and remember what is of utmost importance, and that is you. And God, we're just so thankful that we have your word and your spirit, and that you're able to speak to us and show us and teach us 
what this all means and the implications your birth has on the entire world. And God, as disciples, as followers of Christ, means that we're learners. We want to learn this morning. We want to, we want to sit under um, our master and our teacher, Jesus, and we ask that you would speak to us this morning. You'd have your way with us, and you would be exalted and glorified in this place. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if we were to take a step back for a moment, maybe let's just say, pretend for a moment, you were on the International Space Station, okay? Your childhood dreams come true, you're an astronaut, you're up there, and you were to look upon the whole world. You could see the entirety of humanity, every single person, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You have it in your fingertips, so to speak. And if you were to look in that moment, and you were asked to describe the current state of the world, what would you say? You don't have to say it out loud. But think about that. Like if someone didn't know, if someone wanted to hear your take, what's your take on the current state of affairs for the world? I guarantee that peace would be nowhere near the top of your list. If on the list at all. Like maybe it would be the last thing you would say. You wish you could say it. You'd want it. But if we're honest, right, like look, look around us. You cannot escape it. Like peace in our government, not happening right now. In the world, wars, gun violence, protests, crime, just the rate of anxiety and stress alone in the world is skyrocketed. Our world today, more than ever, is far from this idea of peace on earth. It's not a thing. At least the thing that we can grasp and look to, it's not at the top of the list. And if we're honest, if we were actually to look at our own lives, not the world in general, but we were to describe our own lives, what would we say of them? What would come to mind? If we were honest, I think a lot of us would say words like to describe us would be stress, anxiety, lack of rest, exhaustion. Those would be near the top of the list. And this idea of peace with whatever connotation or definition you attach to it is probably, it probably feels more like, like a unicorn that you're chasing but never truly finding and even can doubt its existence. For some of us, this idea of peace in the world that Uncle Butch read the scripture of Right, this idea of, of peace in the world, or even like, let's make it more specific, in our jobs, within our families, may seem altogether like unattainable. And maybe it's because we've experienced it, but it's super fleeting, it's here, and we feel at peace, and then all of a sudden something crumbles and changes, lose our jobs, family drama, whatever it is. And all of a sudden we just feel like, man, this thing is like unattainable. Not, it's not even like real. And perhaps there's some of us in here that maybe the older we get, maybe even the more jaded we get, right? Life is hard. It's full of bad. And whether we're believing it or not or vocal about it or not, that may be what we live out of. We may live out of just this pessimistic, 
Nothing's going to really work out. Everything's going to be bad anyway. Peace is just something that I can't ever have. So in a season that peace is talked about a lot, right, on Hallmark cards, Christmas movie sentiments, or even a greeting, it may even be comical that we like personally can actually ever experience peace. And it may even be difficult when Christmas comes around and churches like ours tell stories of the birth of our Savior. And at his first announcement, it says that he would bring peace to the whole world. Right? Luke 2. Just read it. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, this is the announcement of Jesus, birth announcement. Glory to God in highest heaven, and what? Peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. If we read that, we sometimes can feel like the Bible and reality, no pun intended, like actual reality life, the Bible and our actual life can sometimes seem to be in stark uh, contrast. Like, that's what you're saying? That's what... You said that Jesus would do, look around, check your Instagram, go on the news, open the newspaper. It's not what's happening. At least it seems that way and it looks that way. What I want to do today is look at how the birth, the death, and the return of Jesus Christ brings peace to earth, does, in three profound and universe-changing ways. Three points. Real quick, run through them. Number one is Jesus brings peace positionally, Jesus brings peace practically, and Jesus brings peace perfectly. What I will say as a way of a spoiler, just to know where we're going here, is that the biblical concept of peace is not only attainable, but a gift and a result of the work of Christ in a believer's life. It's something that God's designed for us to walk in and something to live out of. It's something that God wants for us. And he wants us to, to live in it and to be hopeful for it. And, by, and, and it's attainable. It doesn't have to be this stark contrast, missing thing that doesn't even actually exist. So let, let me explain. Number one, Jesus brings peace positionally. When the Bible speaks about peace, it's referring most of the time to the Hebrew idea of shalom. Shalom meaning deep inner peace. Shalom is this inner sense of completeness or wholeness. And shalom isn't just only like a vague wish or greeting uh, or a a simply like going well for a person, like peace be with you. But in Hebrew, this idea of peace with regard to God has the meaning of being reconciled to God and having God's peace in our own heart. Like it's way more potent than just a greeting or just something, uh, the simple idea of peace that we may have. But this idea, this biblical idea of peace or shalom is to have completeness and wholeness, and to actually be reconciled to God in peace. And so to have external peace in the world, right, 
the list we just talked about in all the areas that we just mentioned would be absolutely amazing, right? If everything was good and there was true, actual peace on earth and nothing bad and everything's good and everything's right. But what's actually more important than any of that is that humanity, each of us, have peace with our God. Not just the, 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 the symptomatic parts of life that we see, all the symptoms of humanity, but actually the heart of humanity would be at peace again with their creator. Because the thing is, is that humanity, each of us, prior to knowing Jesus, is not at peace with God. Sin, we know this, separated us from God. It created conflict between us and him. And it robs us of joy and peace and wholeness and relationship with our God. And so even more important than than external peace is an inward peace, a peace with God, that we were to be made right with God again. And think about that. That is actually what truly matters. What's going to matter most to us in our dying breaths, on our deathbed, what's going to matter most? Are we at peace with God? Are we at peace with God? Like, are we right with God or not? It's not that all the other types of peace aren't as important or, or, or important, but this peace, the peace that we have between God, a right relationship, a fixed, repaired relationship is the most important type of peace. And true peace comes and is founded upon when we're at peace with God. And we're only at peace with our creator God when our sins are forgiven and our relationship is restored. So we have this um, a very moralistic idea that, you know, to be a good person or maybe at the end of our life, we give enough away and we're nice enough people and we do enough good deeds, we're at peace with God. It's just not how it works. See, the only way to repair the relationship that was broken because of sin is through the finished work of Christ upon the cross. It, we can't do it. We can't become better. We can't all of a sudden just change ourselves and like, The gold stars are on the right side of the chart and we're at peace with God. That's not how it works. The only way to repair this broken relationship that sin has caused is through the finished work of Christ upon the cross. That's why the book of Romans, be very clear, Romans 5.1 says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? We have peace with God because of who? Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So through the cross, our souls are at peace. Relationship with God is secure. And what that means is that eternity is secured. This is incredible. That's why Jesus would tell his followers that through him and him alone, they would receive peace. That through his life, we could receive the shalom of God in our own lives. John 14, 27, Jesus famously said, he said to his followers and he says to us, peace 
I leave with you my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In order to be at peace with God is only through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this is the most important thing in life. And if we have peace in that, I believe that we can have peace in the midst of all circumstances. Right? That that even though, regardless of what happens or what we go through, if our security now and forever is that we're good with God, then everything else pales in comparison. Everything else is just a stormy sea. But we know the end of the story. We know our security lies that we now are right with God, that our sins have been forgiven, that now God looks at us with the righteousness that Christ has given us, that we're no longer sinners, but we're saints, that we can be in the presence of God for all of eternity. Guys, you getting this? This is the peace that we're founded upon as Christians. So even if our our life, temporal, everything that's going on is not at peace, we still have the bedrock that we're good with God. That the story has already been written and we already know how it ends. But it gets better. Because Christ's work would have been enough. Like that would have been good enough. Like, that would have been good enough to to have that security. But what Christ's work does and the person of the Holy Spirit does in our lives is that we can actually experience God's peace now here on earth in like a practical, tangible way on top of having it as our foundation. It's incredible. So not only does Jesus bring peace positionally, that we're, that we're made right with God again, but Jesus brings peace practically. That's what I mean by that. Uh, if you've read the New Testament, you've read the Apostle Paul. He's written like 13 of those letters in it, a lot of it. And the Apostle Paul knew how essential it was that we experience the peace of God in our lives here and now. And in every greeting, in every letter that we have in the canon of Scripture of the New Testament, Paul says something like, grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus. When he's doing this, this isn't just a sentiment. It isn't just a mere simple greeting. This was a prayer of desire from him To us that we would learn how to live and walk in the peace of God that God wants for us. Every single letter to every single city or church or believer was started with grace and peace be with you. Like you can't get through this life without it. Like you need it. And as believers, right, positionally, We're at peace and we're right with God, but due to the transformative and powerful work of the Spirit of God in our life, we can literally experience God's peace, his shalom during trial, during tribulation, you name it, not just positionally, but practically and tangibly. If there's anyone that went through it and had a hard life, it was Paul. Like Paul 
had it harder than any of us. But he was very aware how important it was to walk and live in this peace. For Paul, it was God's grace and God's peace that sustained him. And you read that throughout his letters. If there's any common thread you see in the letters of Paul is that by grace I've been saved, grace sustains me, and I walk and I have access to the peace of God in any circumstance. And what he's doing here in all these letters and all these greetings as he's speaking about shalom, the peace that we as believers can experience, he's speaking from a deep well of personal experience. He walked in it. He knew it. He knew the peace of God as a dear friend. Grace and peace were his best buds. He walked in it. He knew it. He experienced it. What's incredible is that once we're saved, right, once we give our lives to Christ, we're born again, we become Christians, however you want to describe it. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Literally, God with us. God dwells in us. We're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what's crazy is not only is that that cool, like, okay, but God works in us immediately, automatically, without even asking. There's a transformative work that happens in our lives. And part of that transformative work is that we would experience the peace of God in our lives. It's actually a fruit of the Spirit. Right, Galatians 5, one of the fruit, one of the results of the Spirit of God in our life is that our life would be a life of peace. That doesn't mean that we don't have any problems or aren't involved with drama or aren't going through stuff. It means that in the midst of all of that, we can have a deep sense of God's peace in us regardless of the situation. Again, that's not because we just are like, I got to be peaceful right now. Like I just, everything's horrible, but I'm just going to tell myself that I'm at peace. That's not what it's saying here. It's saying that you have a helper, the Spirit of God, that God's in us. And God wants to give us and have us walk in peace despite that work isn't going well. Despite that you're not looking forward to Christmas because family's drama. Despite you have no money in your bank account. Despite you don't know how to raise your kids, they're crazy, I don't know what to do. It doesn't mean that like the peace that God's given you means that your life is just perfect. We learned that from Paul too, like Paul was just shipwrecked and stoned and beaten and his friends didn't like him and it was a horrible life actually. But in the midst of that, what did he hold to? He holds to God's grace and God's peace and the spirit of God, the result of God in us naturally is that God wants and desires for us to walk in peace despite all the external unrest in our lives. It's incredible. It's incredible what happens when, when, we, when, we, when we just surrender and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Some of us did that long ago. Some of us just did that. But when you surrender and say, my life's no longer my own. God, I want you to take hold of it. We actually see that God actually works. It's incredible. But also... Not only does that automatic work happen where God's spirit in us changes us and gives us peace, but also Paul exhorts us 
from experience that in the midst of impossible situations, God was actually, through prayer, able to give us peace that surpasses all understanding. So if you were here with us like a year ago, we studied the letter of, to, 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 of Philippians. Uh, this is a letter written by Paul to the church in Philippi. And this is what he says to them. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says that through prayer, we can experience peace that will blow our minds. That's what it says here. It says there's a peace that doesn't make sense, surpasses all comprehension. That's exactly the kind of peace that we can have in the midst of like, we shouldn't be having peace right now. Like our life is horrible from the outside. Like everything's going wrong. But through prayer, you know what God can do? He can give us peace that surpasses all comprehension. It could guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, there is power in prayer for the peace of God to manifest itself in our world. So church, don't stop praying. Like don't think that, oh, that's not gonna work. That's not gonna happen. God's word, exhortation. In the word of God today, you, you have unrest in your family, in your marriage, in your, in your workplace, pray. Pray for God's peace to come and so that you can walk in the shalom that he wants to. Amen? But what happens is, is this is all good and right, but what's difficult and why this maybe seems in our own lives to maybe ebb and flow and come and go or be hard to actually tangibly experience this peace is because we're living still in a fallen world. It's because we're living in this, this tension of the in-between. Let me explain. The tension is that God's kingdom has come in the person of Jesus Christ, but it's not fully here yet. Uh, in other words, God's kingdom has come, but is also coming. It's, it's referred to the here, but not yet. It's this weird middle ground where God has come and we experience a lot of who he is, but we're still living in this fallen world and the effects of sin and the devil and wickedness and evil is around us and there's temptation. There's just a lot going on. So we live in the in-between. We get glimpses of God's kingdom, but the fullness is yet to happen. So a lot of times this peace that God promises us can maybe ebb and flow, can come and go. But one day, one day, this will change. And Jesus will bring peace perfectly. See, Advent celebrates Christ's first coming, but there is a time when Jesus comes a second time. It's called the second coming of Christ. And this is the time where once and for all, all things will be made right. Sin and 
all of its effects will be done away with. Heaven and earth will be restored and renewed back to the way that God had always intended it. Like the entirety of the world and creation, down to every atom, will be living in shalom. Nothing will be lacking. Can you imagine a world that's void of stress, anxiety, and unrest? It's almost, I don't know about you, it's almost impossible not to like struggle with that stuff and have it and, and ebb and flow and become stressed and worrisome and, and be exhausted or do too much. Like that's not going to be a thing. One day when the kingdom of God is fully here and there's no pain and there's no tears and there's no death, there's no sin, there's no evil. One day, when Jesus comes back to rule and reign for good, peace will be fulfilled with the second coming of our God. And at that moment, peace will be perfected. That's why the advent of Christ literally and actually changes the universe. Like it's not just a baby in a manger and this religious figure and that we have this weird celebration that we celebrate his birth 2,000 years later. <laughs> That's, you're missing the point. Advent is the coming of Christ. And through his life, death, and resurrection, what it does is it brings peace positionally between us and God, that our relationship is restored. There's no longer separation. That we're right with God. It also brings peace practically in the midst of this fallen world that we can experience God's peace in the midst of trials and tribulation. But what it ultimately does, Advent points towards actually Christ's second coming when peace will be perfected. So church, be done with the lie that peace is unattainable, that it doesn't exist or you can't have it. That is against God's nature and his design for you. God desires for us to not only live with peace with him, but in peace and be hopeful for peace perfected. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you're a God that desires good things for your people. God, thank you that it's your design and your desire that, that we actually don't live with anxiety or worry or fear or angst or unrest. That is not your design. So God, in a season where there can be a lot of that, like just there's a lot going on, it's busy, we got to do the shopping, um, we got to be at the party. Like schedules change with our kids or with school or with work. There's so much that we can get caught up with. But God, we want to experience your peace. Your peace that surpasses all understanding. So God, we know that our circumstances might not change. But thank you that your peace is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That we can have it. We can walk in it. That we can know it and experience it despite what's going on in our lives. So Holy Spirit, do your work in our life. 
We want to walk in that peace. We want, we want naturally like the peace of God to be a result of God's working in our own hearts. And would you make us a people that pray for peace? You say that when we pray for peace, that you give us peace. God, make us a church that doesn't just stand by at the things of the world or in our lives and just wait for them to pass, but help us to be a people that are, that are prayerful to see your peace come. And so, God, we want to worship you now for who you are and what you've done. You're so worthy and deserving of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.